Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I'm joined by my dude Goose and a reoccurring guest that's going to come on the show. Not even guest anymore. He's a part of this damn show. He's going to be with us every once in a while. That's C. Red Fred joining us here tonight to break down this 108-103 Chicago Bulls victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. A little house cleaning before we get into the game. Be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Bulls on Tap. Follow my dude Goose at Bulls Scripted. Follow me at Buzz on Tap. And follow my guy Fred at CBE Fred. Gentlemen, Bulls pick up a win here tonight, 108-103 at home with Kobe White leading the charge yet again in his first ever NBA start. Fred, I'm going to start with you, man. What did you think about tonight's game? Well, first of all, Buzz Goose, it's an honor to be on with you guys. I love uh, jumping on Bulls on tap. What did I think about tonight's game? I think the Red Leviathan started the winning streak. I think <laughs> that uh, I'm excited about the progress of Kobe White. And I don't know how you, anyone who can, who's not excited about seeing the way Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. performed tonight. I thought both were excellent. Wendell Carter was 7-9 from the field, 17 points in six minutes. He did have foul trouble as usual with some horrific calls from the refs but i thought he played exceptionally strong on both ends of the court i love the pick and roll with kobe and, and wendell uh i thought it was just a fantastic performance overall i mean yeah they're beating a pretty weak team in the Cavs, but uh you know they had most of their players playing and they're their best players in sexton and loves so it's not like it was a it was an undermanned team we're still missing zach levine so you know the only still negative in the in this whole the, the whole performance again is, you know, Lark Markin instilled to me, you know, he's three, nine from three, six of 13 overall, 15 points, four rebounds only in 24 minutes. Still playing to me kind of weak. I, I felt not playing strong, not playing aggressive. Uh, you know, I'm still concerned about his progress, but overall, I don't, if you're, if you're bummed out after a night, after seeing Kobe White's performance in the starting line, lineup, I think you got some issues. hundred percent. agree with that goose. You got, what are your feelings on the game, man? No, I mean, we had five players in double figures, um, none of which were under 15 points. We had five players with 15 points or more. So we had good, you know, ball movement. I thought that was something that stood out to me. They were really moving the ball, 0.5 seconds, shoot, pass, move. Uh, so the fluidity was definitely there. Um, I'm kind of just taken back by Fred's disdain for Lowry Markkinen at this point. Shaq Harrison out-rebounded everybody on the team, so... Uh, Wendell and Lowry should both get chastised a little bit for that one, but um, no, I, I'm, just, check, I'm just shocked. He had, yeah, he only had six points. It's not bad. So, <laughs> 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 All right, it's better than four. four. Is atrocious. Six, not bad. Um, on that note, Buzz, I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> so you guys made me laugh before I give my, you know, I give my synopsis here. Anyway, I think uh, I like the way the game went today. I agree with the ball movement. Um, I really, really did like Kobe White in the starting lineup. I think that just added a little bit of more oomph to to the game and more excitement, which is let's all be honest here. We've we've kind of needed it. So I really like that. I like the way that Denzel played tonight. I like. Um, I, I I did think in the first half though, and especially the first quarter, Fred. I did think that Lowry was a little bit of aggressive. He was really, really trying to move without the ball, get the ball, and create when he had it instead of just standing there. But as the game went on, he became that statue that we've seen time and time again, which is annoying. But at this point, he's probably just trying to get Jim fired. So I'm just 
I'm I'm here for it. Whatever. Um, <laughs> well, he still started out over three. I mean, like that's within true. the first two minutes, he was missing wide open shots. I mean, I, I still make point to this for the season. He's had over 300 three point attempts. He's shooting 34. percent That doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. You can't blame all that on Jim. I agree. Jim's been an incompetent doofus, but you got to eventually start hitting some open threes. I mean, that's less than what Chris Dunn shot last year from three. So, I mean, I expect more from Larry. And to me, his whole game, everything starts with his ability to hit the three and extend the floor. And if he's not hitting the three, he becomes a far less effective player. Then get to the free throw line again tonight, zero free throw attempts. I don't know. I just find, I find this game completely frustrating. At the end of the game today, allowing Della Dova to sneak in there. I mean, I thought that was weak. It should have been a good uh, handoff, and uh, that shouldn't have happened. You know, so, I mean, you know, he did shoot the ball a little bit w- w- better, no doubt about it. 6-13 ain't terrible. But uh, I'm, I'm really frustrated with Larry, as you probably tell. I think that everybody, oh, yeah. everybody's been so. frustrated with his play, for sure. Sorry to cut you off, Goose. Go ahead and take that. Oh, no, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm used to – Super positive, Fred, about everything. I thought Lowry showed some glimpses tonight. Obviously, after putting up 19 and 9, glimpses aren't going to cut it, you know. Um, coming into this season, he was supposed to add on top of that 19 and 9, and he had the oblique injury to start the year, and I forget what the second injury was before ankle. the whole pelvic. Yes, the ankle. Um, so, you know, he played through some injuries, and that's got to contribute. Um, but no, there's really no excuses for for it at this point, uh, outside of maybe the minutes restriction and still finding his legs. But we got to see more. I think we will next year. Um, but like I've said a couple times on the show, I'm starting to feel like I'm talking about the Cubs. Maybe well, uh, hold on really quick. You know, just, just stay on this topic for a second. Is it just uh, out of the core four, you know, Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., Larry Markin, and Kobe White, isn't he a distant fourth right now in, in your level of where this guy's going to be in terms of the uh, the future of the team? Maybe it's my initial draft bias still sticking around, but I think Wendell's more expendable than Lowry. Oh, here we go. I, I You know what? I, I, think I, you, I hate to do I it, too. I think you have Daniel Gafford, who's almost seven foot tall, is more of a true center. Wendell's too much of a tweener. The kid thinks he's a power forward. He wants to be a power forward, and he does not have the offensive skill set. He's as one-sided on the offensive end as Lowry is on the, you know? So, yeah. Uh, see, that's where I disagree. I watch way too much tape of him at Duke, seeing his passing ability, seeing his ability that's, in the in That's the high all post. good and dandy when he was not a tweener and he was the biggest guy on the floor. Well, he was 249 pounds. He's 270 now. I think he's too heavy. I think he's, he needs to be lighter. I think he needs to be playing lighter. And His I don't weight know has why. nothing to do with not attempting jump shots past the free throw line. Well, I think it has something to do with his quickness and his, and his inability to. Although tonight I thought he was great tacking the rim. Um, I think he doesn't look as quick as he did at Duke. I, he, had, he showed a much higher shooting ceiling. He's not being put in position to succeed with this team. He's basically no. being served as a... A guy who sets picks. That's I, his job. I can agree with that. Yeah, I can agree but, with that too. I, I do agree with that. He's not being used up to uh, up to his standard. Much, I think. I think that's a fair statement because I think everybody on this on this podcast right now knows that we. I think Wendell can step out there and hit a midi every once in a while. And not he shouldn't look terrified to do it, and that's what I've seen out of him all year. I think he can hit a three too. Like that. I don't think they've developed 
that ability for Wendell Carter Jr. And, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's on part of it's on Wendell. Or maybe they're telling him. But like I said, the first game back, the first play they ran for him was a, a post play like it was 1989. And he's, uh, you know, Patrick Ewing. That's not his game. Never has been. He shouldn't be in the post. He's a he's a high post player with with, with excellent passing skills that they haven't utilized, and it's pretty frustrating. But I, defensively, I mean, come on, you know, Goose. I mean, defensively, he's in another uh, stratosphere. The, the market is not even in, even close to him. No, but like that's what I'm saying. Lowry's a one-sided player at this point. At least the way that Wendell's being utilized, he's a one-sided player as well because we're not seeing the passing ability. He's not. He's either not allowed or not confident in taking those jump shots that teams give him consistently. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know if it's the coach. I don't know. It, it's more likely it's a combination of the two. The coach sucks, so Wendell's confidence is down. Um, you know, so no, I'm not trying to say Wendell's a bad player, but I just think you can find more Wendell Carters in the league than you can Lowry. And I do think Lowry still, I don't know, maybe Wendell does have a higher ceiling because he's a two-way player. But offensively, I just, I don't see many players like Lowry out there when he's doing what he's supposed to. Well, what we saw in his first two years is basically what you're getting at here. And that's a totally fair argument to have. Our friend Joe Colley was on, uh, oh. I can't remember what radio station it was. But I, I he's friends him. with you guys? No, I've never, no. I've never talked to him in my life. I just, I just <laughs> okay, like, good. Thank yeah. You. I think that was facetious. Yeah, that was totally. <laughs> but I, I can't remember what radio station I was listening to him on. But um, he had said something that I actually agreed with, which is surprising. Oh, I uh, right. But he said that when he had asked Jim, because Jim was getting frustrated at him and KC the other day, and um, okay. Collie had asked a question to Boylan about, hey, you know, now that you're bringing Kobe into the starting lineup, are you going to kind of switch things up within, you know, the, the plays or, you know, the schemes or whatever? And he said, no, he's just going to, ha- you know, he's going to adapt. So getting to both of your points about Lowry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr., I-, I have a hard time with these young players giving any sort of slack when, I- I'm going to use your word, uh, Fred, a complete doofus is not playing up to his player's strengths and is being stubborn and playing to a 1989 style of basketball. He wants to hit threes. That's what he wanted to do. We were all at that, uh, the the one that you asked a question at, Fred. You know what I'm talking about? That training practice yeah. thing. Yep. You know, that's the one of the first things yep. he said to you is, hey, I want to I shoot more threes. I want to hit more threes. Like, okay, that's all fine and dandy. But some of these play like you put Lowry in a corner. That was like your only, that was like your only resolution to do it was to just put Lowry in a corner, tell your guys not to settle for mid-range jumpers, either get to the rim or shoot threes. There's no creativeness. This guy is completely hampered development of high lottery pick players. And uh, that's just that's why this year mostly everybody gets a huge pass from me personally. Oh, and I want to I want to throw in a talking point that Fred's going to love. Oh god. Um you almost have to hope that Jim gets fired really early into the offseason. So maybe Denzel Valentine considers re-signing for a decent contract. Because the irony of you bringing up Jim emphasizing three-point shooting and then benching Denzel for most of the season, even when he was healthy, is just moronic in itself. So I think 
like I said, I know that's a topic Fred would like to touch on. What do, what do you think happens with Denzel in the offseason? Do you think the Bulls can reconcile a relationship with him if Jim's not here? Oh, absolutely. If he's not here, it is, absolutely. First of all, I don't think anybody's going to give him a, a, a significant deal or a deal big enough that the Bulls wouldn't match it and bring him back. Uh, you know, who, maybe I'm wrong on that, but he hasn't played – even I, as one of the you know unabashed Denzel Valentine fans, it was you know I'm going to admit I don't think he's played enough to earn a massive deal from some team. Could be wrong. I mean, shooting is at a premium. This is a very weak free agent class. Who knows? Maybe somebody will give him six or seven million a year for two years. I think Dougie Buck has got seven or eight. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a great point, Goose. So, you know, I I. I've, I'm taking a step back to what Buzz was saying before. I agree with you, and I and I also partly still disagree. Like I do feel like I think the Bulls needed to shoot more threes. I think their offense last year was a problem. I, I I'm not as much I'm not as just totally against the mid range like limiting mid range shots. I don't think it's a good shot. My issue has been more with you still have to have cre- creativity and putting your players in position to succeed. Exactly. I don't think he's done that with Laurie. I think he, I think Laurie has a strength at attacking the rim. Like tonight he had nine, 13 shots, nine of them were threes. Um, you know, but he's not a great passer. There are limitations with his game. He's had, uh, since coming back three of the four, he's had zero assists. I think eight out of the last 10 games, he had one or less assists. He's not a great passer. So you really need to, to put your, you know, really work hard to get it's him. It's not fair. What's that? He's not, not fair. He's constantly used as a spot-up shooter. And any time well, he right. gets a chance in transition with the ball, <laughs> he's trying to take it to the hole. You know, I, Wendell, I, if he's not in the paint, he's passing the ball. You're going to get cheap assists that way. I think it's fair to say, Larry, he's not a, 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 in the three years we've watched him, I don't think it's fair to say passing is not is definitely no, not a strength. To he's him. definitely not above average, but I'd, I'd give him average. I'd give him, like, C. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like the Bulls need to be more creative in what they do with Larry Markin. And, like, you know, part of it's on him, though, too. Like, if, you know, anytime you do a pick and roll and there's a switch, he needs to be aggressive in taking the small player into the post and dominating and hammering, hammering it home. You know, I'm sure Doug Tonus is screaming at the phone if he's listening, saying he, he's not a good post player. He hasn't shown that ability. To a certain extent, I agree with him. Like, I don't think, you know, if it's, a, if it's an even battle with a, a four guarding him, a four or five, I don't think he's good in the post. Uh, if it's a three, two, or one, I think he's, he's, he's good. He's just not aggressive enough. And I think, you know, this team has done a horrible job of developing him. Yeah, that's he's definitely still, agreed. Big picture, I, I do want to say this. Big picture, you got to find the best shooting coach. I don't know, Dirk's, bring the, Dirk's old coach out of the, the mothballs. Find somebody. And, and work with him to get that percentage up to 38, 39, 40% from three. Everything that Larry Markkinen does well emanates from that ability to shoot the three at a high percentage. They come sprinting out at him, and they can take advantage of his driving game. But he's not shooting it well enough now for people to really you know, be sprinting like uh, Carl Lewis at him. Right. Right. Well, getting back into this one last topic um, before we move on to – game preview unless we have anything else to touch on this one but the reports that had come out this week i just want to touch on this quickly and keith it was a pretty good segue in from what you had said goose keith whatever i'm calling you today um jim boylan being asked or by the front office asking to retain jim boylan if a new gm comes on they're just asking them to be open-minded they're not going to ask them 
whoever the candidate may be to, oh, you need to retain them to get this job. They're just going to ask to be open-minded. I want to get your – I'm going to do a roundtable on this. I want to get your thoughts real quick on this. We'll start with Goose, then we'll go to Fred. Goose, what do you think about this report that came out? Casey Johnson had reported it. I think we're trying to scare every potential GM candidate away so we can't demote Pax and Gar from their positions because that is – Excuse my French, Fred. I know your show's PG. We let it loose here. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, you can't. <laughs> that is not how you start your GM shopping. Hey, you know, you're you're still going to have packs hanging over your shoulder. You get to make all the decisions, but you, you got to ask him a little bit. Get, at least get his opinion. Um and we'd really like if you'd consider keeping Jim because he's not as bad as we've made him look. Get get out of here. Fred. Well, I got, I got to believe that this was just done as kind of like a PR stunt for Jim Boylan. You know, like if you're in Jim Boylan's shoes, you know, what are you thinking right now? I, I, I'm sure he's professional enough to, to give it his best. I hope he is for the remainder of the season and continue to coach to the best of his ability. But I, I kind of feel like these kind of things are probably done to give him some hope and not, you know, make him check out personally, um, you know, before the year's out. Because it's not rational that anyone would say, you know, coming in this situation, interview Jim Boyle and say, yeah, he's my head coach. It's, he's the worst I've ever seen as head coach of the Chicago <laughs> Bulls. I, I think Jay Wright is the guy I give anything for to come into this organization straighten it out, hand over everything to him. I love Jay Wright. He's an excellent coach. Well, yeah, it, have him be the coach. Bring in a new GM. Have Jay Wright be the coach. Let's go for that. And if it's not Jay Wright, I don't know who else. You know, Tim Duncan. Who knows? Figure it out. But um, to me, it's 1A, B, C, and D is Jay Wright. I think he'd be an excellent NBA head coach. He can hopefully get Mikel Bridges to come here right, when he's a free agent. Oh, my God. So He's been playing so shitty, you might be able to get him in a sign-and-trade for Denzel in a second. He has not played. With with Mikel Bridges in a lineup, that's one of the best Suns lineups. It's a fact. (laughs) Fred, that's like – Fred, that's like arguing who's the tallest small person. Like, that's just not (laughs) – They're actually – they're actually pretty decent when I'm in the lineup. I gotta go. I'll get the stats for the next one. All right, but uh, my feelings on it were kind of echoing Keith. Um, you know, I I don't I don't know what the hell the motive was to you know about that. And I understand like now I never heard it from your point of view, Fred. Where they're like, hey, may, you know, they're, maybe they're trying to save face. Maybe they're just trying to keep Jim Boylan's head in the game so he's not overly stressed out. Like I can, you know, and, and he continues to try. Like when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. But I mean. Surely they have to know even when Jim is trying, it's like a monkey coaching out there. So, I mean, it's not it, – I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I think that they are more worried about admitting their own failures, usually like they do time and time again. Um, and it's just kind of my stand on it. I just – I really well, hope they, that's not the case. They kind of did this before with Paul Gasol in 2016, if you recall. Like it was clear, Paul was in, in part of their their plans going forward. Right. I think in February at the trade deadline when they didn't trade him, they were still battling for playoff position. They said, you know, I think it was Foreman out there lying about he's still part of our, you know, long term plans or, or the course. I don't know something to that effect. And it was like anybody who was really paying attention realized that was total nonsense. So I'm hoping this is the same thing. I mean, there cannot be a worse situation 
than a new GM coming in and Jim Boiling staying in as the head coach. I'd rather have John Paxson remain the GM and a new coach all day ahead of that situation. I think that would be the worst scenario. Yeah, that would be, be pretty free and terrible. Um, uh, I mean, unless it stays the same. That's pretty bad, too. Right. <laughs> that's no, all, I mean, it's all pretty bad. It's all pretty I mean, bad. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody, though, I, these guys aren't that dumb that they make that mistake. No, Do you guys think, think so? Either. No, I don't think so, yeah. either. I don't think so. I think that's No, some, I mean, it would changing. never happen, but, I mean, I'd consider keeping Jim around as a defensive assistant. That, that, that I'd be okay with, but that would be too awkward, so that won't happen. Um, Jim will find yeah. another job. It probably won't be as a head coach, but you look at the Lakers staff, they got Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins as assistant coaches. You know, there's great teams all around the league that'll take a potential head coach level coach as an assistant. And Absolutely. Just, at least there's is a great defensive that. mind. And that, that, that aspect is at least proven. If he, even if he doesn't know when to stop blitzing. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And and I don't think anybody should be upset about that. Like he's, he's not a terrible person. I don't want him to be unemployed for the rest of his life. He's just an assistant coach. He's not a head coach. Right. He was put so. in a position to fail is basically what happened. He, he was, he's definitely in over his head. He's underqualified for the job that he has now. Um, who knows? Maybe he goes back well, to the Spurs. He loves pops. He's put so himself much. in position to fail. I mean, just total incompetence with managing timeouts and, and rotation. I, I still feel like, you know, I, I think uh, the front office put this team in position to at least make the playoffs this year. You know, as bad as everybody feels Garpax is, and there's no doubt there's been some issues. But this team should have made a playoffs. Uh, I kind of I rode with you game. on that at the beginning of the season, Fred. I think Goose did too. I thought they were. I thought they were. <laughs> it helped if, oh, and I always, man, I'm, I always I'm already my starting ass. to wind up my my next year playoff horse because I. When we have shooting, which it was subpar tonight, but even just having subpar shooting compared to the shooting we had the majority of the season with all the injuries, minus Zach Levine, I don't know. I, I enjoyed watching the game tonight. I don't know it was the Cavs, but um, we, we did have some more shooting. If Otto's healthy, I still think that that's a good trade. Um, but ultimately, yeah. Jim and Jim yeah, and Gar just down. gone through too many coaches. They there's just got to be a change. I don't think the roster if is bad. They come, if they come back next year with the same starting five, like it's Kobe White, Zach Levine, Otto Porter Jr., Larry Markin, and, and Wendell Carter Jr. Are you going to be upset? No, no, I won't be. Me, I just want somebody more competent. You know, you know, running them. I mean, that's that's about it, really. Do you guys have anything else to touch on on this game? Anything you want to bring up? I know Kobe did have nine turnovers, but, I mean, he was plus nine in the plus minus. He was 25 and five. Um, he was uh, probably – Shaq Harrison. Yeah, Shaq Harrison was fantastic. He he was good tonight. He was very good. Yeah, I'd like to say something about Shaq Harrison real quick. Absolutely. Uh, last year, I, I think it was a March game I went to. I was lucky enough the Bulls uh, you know, got, let me sit in the 100 level, 10 rows back. I was – so impressed. It was a game against Toronto that they lost at home, of course, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody play that hard defensively. Um, and I've seen a lot of great players in my time, but it was so impressive how hard Shaq Harrison played on the defensive end. I'll never forget it. It was the, my, my son was with me and we were both impressed. Um, so I think there's always room for a guy like Shaq Harrison on your team. He just should be the 12th, 13th, 14th, or 15th guy. He's not a guy who should be in rotation or starting. Um, but you know, that's just my opinion on Shaq. Right. 
Goose, you got anything else on, the, on tonight's game? Anything that stood out to you? I mean, Kobe, I mean, like I said, the ball movement just was the biggest thing that stood out to me. We were really moving the rock, and the results show, as I stated before, five players with 15 or more points. Um, that's a well-balanced offense. And like I said, it was fun basketball to watch. So I'm excited for Kobe starting because it's definitely an upgrade over what Sato has given us the last month. You know, since the new year, he's been kind of atrocious. Um, so it's nice to see that we're actually going to, you know, push the pace. And it, that's kind of the risk you play with Kobe is some nights you are going to have turnovers. But the last few nights we were talking about, how he had five-plus assists and zero turnovers. So as a 20-year-old kid in his rookie year, I am really excited for Kobe's future, and that's coming from somebody who wanted to draft Cam Reddish. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I loved Kobe's game tonight. I know he turned the ball over nine times, but he hit a couple big shots and did a couple big things. I thought Thad played well uh, tonight as well, so I want to throw some dap his way. I think he, he played very good. So we'll move on into this next game preview. Not too much going on here. It's going to be the Bulls playing the Orlando Magic in Orlando. It's a 6 p.m. start, and that'll be Thursday night. Thursday, 6 p.m. start against the Orlando Magic. Uh, Orlando will be out without Al Farouk Aminu and Evan Fournier. So um, I don't know if Zach will be back yet. It'd be nice. I don't think so, but... It'd be nice, nonetheless. Um, you guys got anything else before we lead this one out into the sunset? We're only eight games back of the seventh seed. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wasn't it sad? We're, we're playing the Magic. I, I had to throw it. Oh, out. God. Wasn't it sad how I lost my bet with the Bulls not be, being 500 and they were exactly 7.5 games out of the seventh seed? Seven games out of the playoffs after my big mantra. If I could have went back, picking. Fred, and stopped you from doing it because I know how much it means to you not to lose to to who you <laughs> lost to, um, I, I would, man. You know I would. I, I got your back always. But this damn team can't stay healthy ever either. So, I mean, even if we had a good coach and everybody keeps getting hurt, I mean, we're pretty much screwed either way, I guess. But That's right. We're still sitting seventh in the lottery. So (laughs) you you only completely screwed us over, Fred. You know, no big deal. (laughs) I mean, but we're saying that right now. But on lottery night, if we start seven and we end up moving up, then you can rub it in everybody's face. So we still have hope. If we end up at seven again, I'm just going to just vomit. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Like, I I got blamed for it last year. Imagine if there's seven again this year. People are going to come. Come at me like they are boiling. You're going to have to brutal. release a t-shirt, dude, that said C Red Fred 7777. <laughs> I guarantee that shit sells, man. You know, make make a little album cover looking out of it. It'll be like an album cover, like, you know, with all of our draft picks. But, um, yeah, that's all we got tonight, guys. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining and listening. Fred, thank you for coming on with us. Uh, again, everybody, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us all on Twitter at Bulls on Tap, at On Tap Sportsnet, following Goose at Bulls Scripted, following me at Buzz on Tap, and following Fred at CBE Fred, and checking out Chicago Bullseye. Uh, we'll be back Thursday after the Bulls play the Magic. Let's go, Bulls. Thanks, guys. <laughs>